How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. I'm starting to love that phrase. It's super cool. It's, it's really rolling off the tongue now, too. Well it done. is. Yeah, but I still have to look at the show notes. <laughs> yeah, the show notes help, hey? Having a script is uh, always makes it flow a little easier. Yeah, Modlin, so uh, how's your week been? Oh, it's been very good. Uh, we had the Joburg Tech Summit yesterday, well, Monday, Tuesday, which for those listeners who've been keeping up to date with us, you'll notice today's episode is a little late. Um, I apologize profusely for that. Uh, but that's the Tech Summit Joburg is the large majority of the reason why. So we were quite busy Monday, Tuesday. And got lots of interesting stuff to tell you that came out of that. How was the crowd that pulled into the Tech Summit? I think it was a pretty good crowd. It was lacquer. There was... Mental. Um, yeah, it was huge. There was, I think, 1,500 people there for the keynote, something like that. Yeah, so, so, so Microsoft did the same thing that uh, most uh, uh, SAAs and, and flight uh, plane companies do there. So they oversubscribe. So they overbooked the plane because they know that there's going to be a 20% drop-off or a 30% drop-off. And, and Microsoft has had this model for years, and they oversubscribed. Um, and then everyone showed up. <laughs> yeah, there hasn't been a big Microsoft conference in South Africa for a while. Everybody in the industry here is very passionate and, and wants to get to grips with all this stuff. So everybody turned out, and it was, it was lack of seeing everybody there. And... Uh, a wide range of business users to heavy techies, and it was cool. It's interesting to note that. Eh? So generally when you do the, the, the heavy techie guys, uh, your ADs, your exchanges, your system center, your security guys, I mean, they come out in droves uh, to these events. I'd love to see the, the stats from Microsoft on how many of them were AD guys or, or how many of them were like serious IT pro people, and then how many of them were business and how many of them were new. Because... For me, uh, there was a lot of new people. Um, outside of the the older guys, you can see this guy's been doing exchange for 15 years and now they're moving to the cloud and they need to move with the time so they need to understand how exchange online works and Azure and all of those things. Yeah, it's an exciting time. So to kick off, we're going to run right into the episode here. We don't have a guest today, just the two of us talking about everything that's happened. So let's go straight into the news. In the news. I've got a couple notes on what I what I picked up at the majority of the Tech Summit. One thing I found, um, I'm going to talk a little bit, I'm, I'm going to give my one nitpick before I get into all the stuff that we did get out of it. There was, I thought, um, maybe fewer technical sessions than I would have liked. Um, that probably comes with a couple caveats. You and me, Al, we park here every week and we talk about the news and what Microsoft has been doing. And we play with these things ourselves in our spare time. So when there's a demo up and the guy's making a power app and a flow, it's it's nothing new to me. For a lot of people in the audience, I get they they haven't seen that functionality before. They haven't actually gotten their hands on it. So it's, it's still novel. Uh, but I, I would have appreciated a little bit more in-depth technical sessions. Maybe I just picked my sessions badly. What do you think, Carl? Uh, yeah, the levels. 
the levels of the session. So for for us hardcore guys, um, that's, <laughs> and I say that um, lightly. So yes, so deep dive level three four hundred. Um, on so okay, so we're building this awesome flow, and we're using these connectors, and we're plugging in pie apps, and it, no, there wasn't there wasn't much of that in the stuff that I saw. Um, I'm assuming that from an Azure perspective, there might have been, um, but no, yes, a little less technical and more. Uh, but then, the, on the other hand, the non-technical people there were blown away by the technical stuff, which we don't seem to think is as technical as it could have been. Yeah, and I suppose that's what you get. This conference has to appeal to a very wide range of of attendees. So I, I suppose it's it's a bit unfair of me to to call them on that, but that's just something I, uh, I felt also, I should pick up. But having said that, though, if you think about it realistically, let's take a SharePoint architect role, all right? Where, why would you need SharePoint architects um, in the capacity that we have them right now? So going forward, okay, so you want to go to SharePoint Online. There's no architecture behind SharePoint, on, uh, infrastructure architecture behind SharePoint Online. Yeah, there's no infrastructure architecture. There is definitely solution architecture, though. For sure, for sure. Um, things can but get the, very messy if you don't have a plan. No, I agree with you completely, but we don't spend a couple of weeks looking at the client's infrastructure and going, okay, so what are you wanting to, what's your end goal? So do we spin up two servers? Do we spin up four servers? Do we spin up 10 servers? And do you have specific preferences around the hyper, the virtualization platform that you're running? And then we need to get technical about that. And then we have to worry about what sort of authentication protocols are you running on your network and all of those things. Now, moving to the cloud, it's all gone. I mean, we don't have to worry about Kerberos. Uh, we worry about OAuth, but not Kerberos. And that's it. So not, gone on the, is the, the heavy lifting where let's deploy some third-party applications. Okay, let's put Nintex on top of SharePoint. Let's connect K2 to it or Workflow Manager. So we spin up a separate server or worrying about the search infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't, going forward... If you sell SharePoint now, you're not going to sell on-prem as first choice. Yeah, I suppose that does cut down the number of technical sessions that are required for for a wave of news. Anyway, some of the some of the points I did pick up. Um, a lot of it is fairly standard Microsoft messaging, but it's nice to just touch base and uh, see what it is they're saying. Uh, first bit is cloud first, mobile first, as you were just saying. Everything is very much happening in the cloud. That's where their development is going. It will filter down to on-prem probably over over time. But if you want if you want to be on the cutting edge or where Microsoft is actually working on things, then it's in the cloud first. Yeah, we've seen we've seen that come through also coincidentally. Uh, Satya's uh, it's his third year now with Microsoft. His anniversary came up, I think it was in this week or the end of last week. And he was really instrumental in driving the cloud-first, mobile-first story. And I remember when they started pushing for it uh, three years ago, I was like, no, 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 boys, you don't understand. This is South Africa. <laughs> You're not going to get away with doing the cloud-first, mobile-first thing here. Uh, strangely enough, here we are, 2017, and 
everyone's moved on. It's like broadband is not an issue anymore. Everyone wants to know what can they get in the cloud and how do all of these things uh, connect together, which I think is uh, talking to your, your next point and, and, and your recap. Another thing I heard a lot of talk about was uh, the unified platform. So we've got Office 365 as a big platform. It's, it's, it's everything working in conjunction to each other. We as predominantly SharePoint devs, we sort of tunnel vision on this thing, SharePoint, and, and what it can do, where their big push is to, is to widen that focus uh, and say, the experiences you can deliver to the customer using the suite of products across Office 365 is, is way more compelling than any individual piece you can, can do on its own. What I've been saying for years now, Microsoft is the Jacques Callis of IT. Does everything. It's the best all-rounder. Yeah. And surprisingly enough, they're actually kicking ass in the specifics. So kicking Oracle's ass. Kicking um, Oracle's ass not only at a database level, but also on an OS level because they Solaris and Spark. They're not um, investing any more development in that space. So it's interesting to see the walls come coming come tumbling down around that. However, what I do think they're missing right now is a strong push in the IoT space from Microsoft versus what you actually have. They're doing they're doing lots of cool stuff there though. They had uh, in the keynote they they showed a video with a with a case study of I think it was Kenya. There, there's an there, there's an NGO in Kenya that deals with th their purpose is to their mission is to get uh, clean drinking water to everybody and and to make it consistent. So what they've done is they've got a little IoT device running uh, Windows 10 IoT and they put it in the handles of the, the water pumps where people travel to to get their water and yeah. depending on the, the the data they get out of those they can tell how deep the water is for the well if they need to go uh, get drilled again or if the pump breaks down they can get that data instantly through the through these IoT devices they're installing and then bring that together into the cloud and report for that so they can get that real-time data and, and plan accordingly. I suppose maybe I'm just a bit um, biased because of the Raspberry Pi. Yes, well, it's a Raspberry Pi-like device, and you can run well, Windows 10 on a Raspberry Pi. No, for sure. I've, I've actually got it running. I've got it running on a, on a Pi 2 in my place. Yeah. I, 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 I suppose maybe my, my approach is wrong. So hardware-wise, Asus has brought out a, a Pi competitor. Dell has got ruggerized Pi devices. So that thing that's sitting in that does the water metering or the water cleansing, that would probably be a ruggerized version because Raspberry Pis are commercial grade only. They're not ruggerized. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's also the thing. Like, as we've discussed before on this podcast, Microsoft aren't a hardware vendor. They're not going to be the ones that bring out that hardware for the IoT. It's going to be their hardware partners that, that make the actual hardware and then Microsoft provides the OS and the services that tie into it. For sure. I, I think as, as, we, as they grow into that space, because, you know, you get a PyMag and there's a whole bunch of DIY projects in it. And because of the predominant OS that runs on Raspberry Pi is being Raspbian, it's Debian-based, so there's quite a big community for them to fall back on. Whereas Microsoft, not so much because 
they've only recently moved into that space. But having said that, there's a new version of Windows 10 um, being talked about called the Windows 10 Cloud. Yes, which might not have, we don't have a lot of details on it. It might not actually have anything to do with the cloud. That might be part of their play for um, the education market, like cheap Chromebook-like devices. There's still a yeah. lot of question as to exactly what that is. Well, I've got a Surface 2 RT that I'd love to run Windows 10 on um, because it's it's an ARM processor. Although, who knows what happens going forward with full-blown Windows 10 running on on ARM through Qualcomm yeah. and, and, and those, the, and the Those RT devices are very much like um, an iPad. It's a consumption device. It's not a production device. You're not making anything on it. It's a consumption device. You're reading web pages. You're watching YouTube. Hey, mate, it comes That's with full-blown office. I, I've, I've delivered proposals off it. So, so don't shoot my little baby down. If, if you really have to, but you'd much rather not. You'd rather use no, but, a real machine. No, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll remember you, gotta, you said that. You've got to use it. things for what they're good at, which is another message that uh, I pulled out of this tech summit. As part of um, this unified platform, they've got all these different tools that do things specifically well. And one of the messages I got is that we should be using SharePoint for what SharePoint's good at, which in the Microsoft messaging is collaboration and content management. So, Agreed. Yeah. So the team sites uh, experience, which is great. I know I'm currently involved in uh, a couple of projects that really push SharePoint to the edge of its limitations and takes it a bit further past that. And these environments can get very complicated and very tricky. Um, so that is a thing SharePoint can do, even in 0365. But uh, concentrating when we're presenting these experiences to the client, making sure that the SharePoint is doing what it's good at in the, in the content management, the document management, um, and in the collaboration spaces. Yeah, I think SharePoint has, has morphed somewhat. So primarily what we did was we started at Microsoft when they went, well, here's a version of SharePoint that's sitting in the cloud. And we went, it's rubbish. Uh, you don't get the feature sets that you have on-prem and all of that. And now they've played catch-up and they've actually caught up and leapfrogged um, what the requirements are. Uh, started with Power BI and the shift of moving BI out of SharePoint. And I know a lot of people are complaining about, yes, but when we create a Power BI dashboard, can we not have a web part in SharePoint? We can stick on a page and surface that data. Microsoft saying no, because there's an app for that. And I understand that not a lot of people do. They're ripping out. BI out of SharePoint because SharePoint's for document-centric collaboration. It's the same with all the pieces of the pieces of the pie in the big wheel. So you want to effectively collaborate, use Teams, use Yammer. Um, Yammer's becoming cool again. So Microsoft is starting to build in the old days, uh, circa 2010, that wheel said composite apps. That's where they still have the same vision around what they meant by composite apps. I mean, the app model for SharePoint was just an abomination of epic proportions. And then they turned around and made that sexy with the new SharePoint framework when you want to build decent apps for SharePoint Online. Um, guys that head up the engineering teams like Vesa talks about building their podcast show that I think they had a podcast, uh, the PNP team. It was on Monday. They launched the, the new episode talking about building applications inside of Microsoft Teams. 
That's super cool. I mean, that's where it's going, and at the rate that it's going, it's uh, it's going to get even worse to keep up. So, so um, it's not that it's information overload; it's that we as humans uh, fail to filter. Yeah. And, and being able to filter, we we had a failure to filter. That's what we experienced. And we were actually talking about that this morning. But Microsoft is very specific. And the solution, the infrastructure architects are, are going to have to morph into solution architects based on the wheel. So you have requirement X. Okay, we don't have to build anything. We can just utilize the tools. So here's planner when you want to do something. Here's staff hub when you want to do something. Here's classrooms for public sector. All of those things is how architects are going to have to start articulating stuff. Um, and coming back to your, your next point around hybrid support, I, I know you've been doing a lot of hybrid stuff. Yeah, I have. And it was, it was nice to hear. I heard hybrid was actually quite a buzzword in the, in the talks these last couple of days. And that was very important for me because a lot of people, a lot of companies have invested a lot of money and time and energy into their on-prem environments and they do what they do very well they don't have all the bells and whistles that are in the cloud they don't have all the new capabilities but for what the business is running at the moment and how it works it works very well so we don't want to chuck all that away and microsoft um, have committed to keep supporting those users and the way they're doing that is they're going to be providing more hybrid support we saw a bit of it in Feature Pack 1. There's much more support in Feature Pack 1 for, for a hybrid environment. And they're going to be rolling out more tools and more functionality to, to, to make that a much more seamless experience moving forward as well. So I was, I was very happy to see that. Yeah, they did, they did quite a bit. In that. It's, it's, look, they know that there's going to be uh, on-prem around for quite some time. But... The, my question would be, so do you think that there'll be a next version of SharePoint on-prem? Yeah, there's at least one more. Microsoft has said that. There's at least one more on-prem version, like full full new version, yeah. When they launched 2013, they said there was two left. So we've already received one more. Yeah, and, so there's um, one left, yes. At, at least one left. When, when, when we get to end of life for that one, if there's still a big demand, they will produce another one. But the, the use case for an on-prem environment gets less and less as time goes on, as Office 365 gets more prevalent. And, and the fact that legacy installations are not as big a thing as we move forward because more people will move into the cloud. And if you've got your hybrid set up, you've got your hybrid set up already. You're not going to upgrade your on-prem farm in a hybrid scenario, I don't think. Yeah. So moving forward, there won't be as much of a thing. So, yeah, I, I think one more is fine. As long as what, what I would like what are to they see... Gonna, what are they going to push in one more version? What, what I see happening is heavy hybrid integration for all the collaboration, document management stuff, and then a really strong, tight document control and RDM uh, for the on-prem stuff. Because what I see is the majority of people who want to run an on-prem farm want to do that because they want that data where they can see it. For sure. So, so they they have a subset of data that they don't want moving anywhere, but it has to be accessible and it has to be secure and it has to be auditable. So, if if that's your use case, then you want to use SharePoint because it's a great tool, 
but you want it on-prem, so you want to keep that there, but you need to be able to tie into uh, all the various services as well. So I see the next version of uh, SharePoint concentrating on, on those bits, and then you can keep everything else that's already there, and if people want to use it, then just do an on-prem thing they can for whatever reason. Okay. So this thing that you've written down here, I'm trying to make out what the next point is. Um, I, I don't understand what you mean by it, so maybe you could just take the the audience through this. Another buzzword I heard a lot in the talks is the intelligent intranet. So in the in the SharePoint specific talks that, that I went to, they were pushing very heavily this idea of an intelligent intranet. So once you've got all your users in Office 365 um, and everybody's working using all these different tools, you get a lot of data out. They get surfaced through the Microsoft Graph API, yes. right? So you've got delve which shows you all your ways of working like what what you need and, and what you don't and all of that so what they're saying and the term i heard a couple times was with the intelligent internet you want to present the users with the information they need just before they know they need it so if i'm working on a on a project i log in i've just been assigned to this project my intelligent internet knows that i've been assigned to this project and so now when i log in it's showing me here the the BRDs, here's the scope, here are your tasks. Okay, all right, I see where you're going. Yes, and you're getting some of that sort of analytics. Uh, yeah. It started off with with sites that you follow and that you favorite, and what was the latest content. The new um, landing experience was also changed specifically around that. So when you hit portal.office.com, your primary interface is now showing you content that's relevant to you and also that's popular to you yeah. in your space. And it's the idea that you don't you don't have to actively go out and follow these things and set the alerts yourself. It will return it for you. And it goes further than just the portal, like when you're logging into the website, when you're logging into SharePoint. They're bringing all that intelligence down to the, the line of business apps, so Office and Outlook. Yes. So when you're – I saw quite a cool demo that when you're in Word – I don't know if this feature is out yet or it's it's in like the new it's preview roadmap. builds or yeah, it would yeah. be roadmap. Yeah. So when you're when you're in the Word document and you're typing away and you decide, oh, I saw my colleague made that yes. Excel document that had a really sweet graph. I want to do that. You just go in your in Word. You say insert document and it pulls up a panel from you for you that checks the context of what you're working on, goes into the graph API and says, here's the documents you probably want to reference. And you can click on the document, it brings out another little pane and you can scroll through and say, okay, I want that graph and you drag it in the Word document and then it's there. That sort of shortcutting of productivity is super powerful. I think it's actually called a document item. In, entirely possible, yes. I saw it on screen. I haven't played with it myself. No, it is. It is. Uh, so the, the, uh, there are a couple of ways. If you're an Office 365 subscriber, um, there's a thing called deferred updates for for Office 2016. So if your channel is set to deferred updates, you only get updates every quarter. Um, you can switch that to immediate, and then you'll get actual updates coming down. So updating you from an Office perspective. Um, otherwise, what you need to do is flip the channel, uninstall Office, and download the latest Office, because it's great. We're saying, okay, there's these really cool features, like... A document item. Yeah, and, and these are also only on the Office Pro Plus uh, versions because those are the ones that are updating in tandem with Office 365. 
and at some point possibly it'll filter through to to the other versions yes i agree with you there just on that um there was now that we're talking about updates and all and all of those things so did you know that you can get weekly updates mailed to you about the changes in office 365 i didn't where where can i get that I'll read you a few things that I get. So it's called the Office 365 Digest. Um, they have to enable it in the message center for you. Um, if you are, if, as a customer, have an Office 365 account, you actually enable it. So uh, I get the daily update, uh, weekly updates. So stuff, and it's actually quite cool because it covers everything that we generally do. Um, but I've never really looked at it, and I'm looking at it right now. So Tracy van der Scaife has actually got, if you go to tracyvanderscaife.com, she, uh, a latest, I think it was yesterday's blog post, talks about how to enable the feature so that you get a weekly email f- telling you what has been released, what's still coming, and all of those things, instead of having to go to um, roadmap, or, or what is it, fasttrack.microsoft.com slash roadmap to see what is actually coming. That is a super cool trick. Yeah, so go pick that up from Tracy's blog, guys. All your feature updates, uh, things that are coming, and it's usually there's a link to more information about it. Or if there's a blog post from Microsoft, because they generally do that, there's like new information about Yammer. So it's actually really, really cool. Sweet. What else did you pick up from the Tech Summit, Uh, Well, I spent two days manning, um, helping out at the Microsoft Tech Community Hub, the booth that we had there. So for those who don't know what the tech community is all about, when Microsoft decided to not use Yammer um, for the greater tech community, they created sort of a forums site on steroids, which is, if you want to go and have a look at it, it's called techcommunity.microsoft.com. And the tech community is really about bringing all the communities within Microsoft together based on a specific stream or a specific workload. And you can sign in with your Office 365 account or with a live account or even with a Gmail account. doesn't matter. Once you sign up, you are then presented with 43 different communities that you can subscribe to. Now, the tech community site was created for multiple reasons. One, you get to engage proactively with Microsoft staff. And you can also influence the direction Microsoft goes with specific workloads and specific products. So if there's a feature that you want, you request it. If there's enough requests for that feature, Microsoft will build it. Also, it's nice to uh, interact with the Microsoft engineering team and the Microsoft product managers. So generally, it, it was always the MVPs that got to interact with the, with the Microsoft program managers, product managers, and also the engineering team. They now open that up for everyone to have their say. So hit techcommunity.microsoft.com, sign up, select the streams that you're interested in, the communities like Azure or Excel or Fast Tracker. Also, for those who were not at the Tech Summit and missed out on the amazing slides, there's a Microsoft Tech Summit community that uploads all the slides and all the videos from tech summits around the world and you'll have access to that you can literally click on it and say download and you can download the slides so if you weren't there you haven't missed anything uh, just sign up on tech community and grab that also nice thing about it is you can follow people so people that you like are interested in the way they blog post and it's microsoft engineers and microsoft product managers that are actually blogging so you can get real world answers from them you can reply it's got a threaded conversation view pretty much like a forum 
Um, other people can reply. You can like things, follow people. You can direct message people. So it's all there. Also, when you're in, there's a couple of things you need to note. So red circles are community managers. You can actually see them when you look at uh, when you, once you're logged in, you'll know what we're talking about. Um, blue are Microsoft staff, and the green ones are MVPs. So we all have these little um, circles around our faces to show you who we are. Very cool. Shall we run quickly through the rest of the news here, Al? Yeah. Big shout out to our resident industry insider, the real Francois Pinot. His company actually did a video. So if you want to check it out, go to Mint Management Technology site on YouTube and go check the click, click, click show uh, from the real Francois Pinot. It's a, it's a blast. Five minute clip. Uh, don't miss it. Very cool. I'll go check that out. So running quickly through the other news, a little while ago, OneDrive for Business updated. So it is now a unified sync client they've got. And this one apparently works a lot better for the purposes of syncing content. Couple notes about it. It's only going to sync your SharePoint online, but it will sync your SharePoint online data and your team's data won't touch on-prem but we now have a proper sync client for, for SharePoint that apparently works, so that's quite cool. <laughs> yeah, they've been pushing quite quite hard. I think there's some Skype stuff for uh, for Office for Mac as well. Um, there, there were some updates as well around that, and the Office for Mac people are, yay, very excited because before 2016, the last Office that they had was 2011. <laughs> yeah, and um, Microsoft are moving quite quickly on, on iterating on those. The Outlook app on iOS is brilliant. It's first class, as just as it is on Android or your your Windows device. As well, there's, they've also added a activity feed for OneDrive documents. Oh, it's all about the analytics. Yeah, once again, feeding into that graph information and and presenting that for you in the place where you need to use it. So we don't need to move out into another context to get the information. It's presented where we're working, which is cool. Also, just a quick one that's not in the news or on the notes, but um, no longer will you have site mailboxes for SharePoint Online. Okay. You can no longer mail to a site. It was the only way you could mail to a site because out of the box it doesn't exist, but they're actually removing. So if you spin up a new site, site mailbox will not be available for you. Well, that, that's sort of less important in 0365. You have groups. You'd rather create a group. Exactly. And, and the same that thing. manage it. It yeah. gets mailed through there. Um, there's also stuff around learning tools for Word Online. There's a new service health dashboard that's come through this week. Very cool. As well as, as, well as some Yammer um, UI updates, so keyboard navigation and those sort of things. So Microsoft is really trying to make Yammer cool again. Good luck to them. They've also opened a Office Insider program for iPhone and iPad. So if you are an Apple user, I suppose we'll call them, uh, you can sign up for that and get on the preview program, uh, the preview builds, I suppose, and give your feedback to Microsoft, which is which is very handy and they appreciate. They do. But then again, um, nothing breaks on um, Apple technology. I spoke to a guy today. I said, yeah, but you have an Apple. How can you say there were issues? Yeah, there was. Uh, two in the last four years. So, <laughs> Shame. Yeah, poor, so, poor guys. Yeah, running, running inside a, a, a office inside an iPad and iPhone, uh, I don't think they make anything that breaks, really. <laughs> I hope not. Staying on the theme of Office 365, 
the Microsoft data centers in Germany have started hosting 0365 as well. So that's now a new option for you for your host. If you have business there or their specific laws around data protection and all that appeal to you more, you can spin up your tenants there. Yeah, Martina Grom, who came out for the Tech Summit, um, spoke about how they are actually, and I think she's German, I might be wrong. Well, she's European. Um, <laughs> we are South Africans. They're all the same. Able, they're all the same. <laughs> yeah, she was talking about that. Germans are very um, anal about data security and the fact that they um, now have a German data center. It's, it's, it's going to change quite a bit for them. Yeah, they've, those German data centers have been up for a while. They've only recently, in the last couple of weeks, I'd say, started uh, started hosting 0365. Something that they've stopped doing, them being Microsoft, is Project Osaka. Yeah, but it didn't even launch, man. It was in private preview. So for those who don't know, um, a while ago, Microsoft had this idea for ColabDB, which is codenamed Project Osaka. Originally, it was supposed to be a list sharing application, uh, much like the other applications in Office 365. It then morphed into a bit of a in, into more of a table sharing application with similar sort of philosophical roots to Access. <laughs> People remember Microsoft uh, Access. Pre-Access uh, services exists. Access exists. It, it does. They're not pull. They're not pulling Access from. No, no, no. Um, access is there, and um, you can office. you can run full-on Access applications in Office three sixty five, which I think is hilarious. But yeah, so this project Osaka was in private preview and Microsoft have announced, I, I don't know if they've officially announced it, but the, the word is no, out. It's pulled. It's yeah, pulled. They've, it's they've pulled it. So uh, the oh. official line is all the engineers on the team are going to take the learnings out of that and 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 move Find forward in a different else. direction. Well, it's interesting to note. Uh, a lot of times, like now, with uh, you now have uh, team flows. Yes, not I flows inside too. inside of Teams. Have, have <laughs> it's you a got? Bit have you actually had a look at that yet? I, I haven't touched it. Yet. I haven't yeah, had time today to I, actually. Look I at saw. It. I actually read today that um, they'd released that, and I want to get my hands on it because the big problem I had with flows was they were personal flows. You, They're still personal. Yeah, but it's you, just you, you can have you more could, than one person assigned to it too. <laughs> that that's a big difference, though. That is, that is I, I don't know. It's not stateless oh, so or it's machine not, state. No, it's not it, that. It's, it's, it's not, uh, I, I can't then create one to run under assumed credentials and you can You can assign that flow to three people. So essentially what happens is if one of them leaves and that AD account disappears, the other one owns it. So okay. it doesn't die with the person. It's not. It's not state machine stuff, mate. Okay, I will. I will have to. But it's still. It's still very cool though, because let's say that person doesn't initiate that workflow, then it doesn't go anywhere. So now you can say, well, I've got a pool of people that can initiate that flow. That which so is this very person, handy. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I can see the guys, the dynamics are getting very excited about it because all they want to do is connect in, and the Linux dynamics. Uh, 365 connector is not there yet, although there's a lot of coming at uh, InspireX, which is next week, 14th to the 17th. Okay. It's running at the same time as, I think, Ignite in Australia. Yeah. Cool. So we'll keep so an eye out for that, and yeah, I will yeah. certainly look at it. We'll talk about we'll talk about the Nintech stuff next week as well. Yeah. Um, and then the last bit of news I've got is there have been even more changes to the MVP program. Uh, mate, it, it's been fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give a brief rundown and our resident MVP of the podcast can give us his thoughts on them. So first up is the fact that there's no MVP summit this year. Apparently this is because as they've, they've had it a bit earlier where the MVP summit was just a rehashing of the same information because they just had another big conference previously and that's sort of lined up again the same way this year. So no MVP summit this year, but there will be one March next year. Yes. So strangely enough, the MVP summit always used to be at the end of Feb every year. Um, at, it, then they moved it in 2013 to November. So we actually had two summits in 2013, one in Feb and one in um, in November of that same year. I actually gate crashed an MVP summit the previous year. I think it was in 2011 or 2012. Uh, before I was an MVP, I actually went to go hang out with the guys. <laughs> Taking chances, eh? No, I was I was speaking at the best practice conference in San Diego, in La Jolla. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go to the US, I might as well stop off in Seattle and attend SharePoint Saturday Redmond and go fetch an official SharePoint T-shirt from uh, Christian Buckley at the time. And, and I grabbed that and then I happened to be in the area and the summit was running. So I got invited as a guest of Zlatan's to um, come meet the guys. And that's where I met Jeremy Thake and all of those guys. Very um, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, they've moved the summit to March of 2018. Yeah. Um, another new new development is MVPs will now be inducted, I suppose you would say, every month instead of quarterly. Yes. Uh, uh, that's, that's the difficult one. So new MVPs will be awarded every month. So you don't become a January MVP or an April MVP or a July or an October MVP. That's Whenever about, you become those, an MVP, you become an MVP. You don't have to wait yeah. for the quarter. No, uh, well, but the, generally... The, the, renewals, the, the, the renewals will happen, still happen quarterly or what is it? Every July. So if every, you're a July MVP like myself, um, I nothing changes for me. You get a right. full year, but if... <laughs> if, if you so become an Tracy. MVP in June, then you're like, oh, yeah. fuck, next yeah. month i got to renew yeah. again. So, so Tracy, so yeah, this is where the confusion comes in. So certain MVPs, depending on when they're awarded, will get up to 18 months of exposure, even more so. Okay. Currently. But once the cycle kicks in, because all current MVPs will then become July MVPs because you get re-awarded, but new MVPs will have up to 18 months of exposure as an MVP. Because if you're nominated as, if you're a June MVP, you've got a full year. But if you're a Jan MVP, you're not going to get renewed in June. So that means you're going to go all the way past Jan and then get renewed in June, July, if you're going to get renewed. So you get an extra five, six months of the award cycle, so it, it's not that doesn't last for a year. It now lasts eighteen months. Hectic. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And those awards have a bunch of new benefits now too. Uh, MVPs get free access to the Zamorin University. Yeah, the Dev guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, all MVPs. Uh, yeah. There's like eight hundred hours or something of content on there. Yeah, but um, I mean, are, you also, am I really gonna go? Sitting on a dev, well, maybe well, me, yes, but um, I don't know if they're I don't know if they're all uh, dev stuff. I think I think they might have a bunch of different sort of things. You will also get two free MCP exams a year, which is yeah, very that's cool. very cool. Yeah. That's that's a big brow saving right there. 
um, and priority registration for the Microsoft conferences, wherever they might be. Yeah, we'll get we'll get notifications about it, but it doesn't mean we get like crazy discounts and we go to conferences for free. No, no, uh, but you do get priority registration, so you'll the MVPs will be notified first and will have first option to register. Uh, which is I, I, I don't know. Thing. Look, Gang to Ignite, it's not like it's a Justin Bieber concert where it gets sold, the tickets get sold out within the first 24 hours. <laughs> so, so it's not exactly a rush. Maybe maybe they're expecting more of an Apple turnout at their future events. Entirely possible, yeah. With the, with the right of coolness that Microsoft has just been sort of basking in since over the last 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I said, yeah, Microsoft's making SharePoint cool again. And a guy said to me, no, 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 no. Microsoft is making Microsoft cool again. That's true. Like they've been, they're, they're looking more and more like a very sexy company, which is yeah. very cool. All right. Have you got any more news? No. Um, just the last thing on, on uh, when we started speaking about the, the people that attended Tech Summit. Definitely people asking the biggest question. So what is Office 365? That was for me. The guys that, even the, the guys that started rolling out Office three six five, came to the community hub and said, oh, "Can you tell me more about Office three six five? What what is not the noobs? Because there was a bunch of noobs. What was also interesting to note is all the banks were there. Yeah, there, I saw a lot of actual. Um, I suppose I'd, I'd call them clients. People who are pretty much not technical at all do not work in the tech industry going there to figure out more about what Microsoft has to offer and maybe make some contacts. Yeah. It was, I, I, it was yeah, interesting. Was quite cool, yeah. All right. Are we done with the news? In I, the news. I think we're done with the news. Uh, and then, as always, our last segment is the PowerShell commandlet of the week or every other week or whenever we have time. I think we've only missed one. Um, that was when we had... Uh, the Waza and the Industry Insider. Yeah, yes. and, and we Those just overran badly. Okay. Yo. <laughs> um, but yes, today's uh, PowerShell commandlet of the week is a weird one that I had to do a bunch of research on. So the commandlet is new SP claim type encoding. So what what Ooh. this does is okay. So if you're using claims authentication on your SharePoint implementation, right? Yes. What this is token based. So when you log in, you get a token saying this yes. is this, this is who I, yeah, yeah. this is who I am. Here's here's my credentials. What I didn't know and what I found out today is that token can have actually quite a lot of information uh, encoded in it. It's not just here's my username. I'm authenticated. It can have a whole bunch of context around that. Here's my department. Um, I'm a white male, middle aged Blah 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 blah. Um, from this department, all of that sort of stuff. And using PowerShell, you can actually control what those claims tokens have. And then when you're accepting the claims token, if you've got some custom dev or something, uh, you can then strip that information out and use it uh, for context for the user. So the SP claim type encoding commandlet deals with this. So when it you- Sounds like some sort of injection it happens, look. It scares me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's actually quite fascinating. I'm not quite sure what the use case of it would be. And if one of our users out there um, knows this, maybe has even played around with it, I'd be very keen to, to chat to you about it. So you can use the new SP claim type encoding commandlet 
to register the new type of claim, the Unicode character that'll be encoded when the method's invoked, and then a claim type to set the value for it. So you can use this to add additional information into that token, I assume, and that can then be read at, at additional times. All right, I'm not even going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah, one note, if you are using this, I mean, if you are using this, you already know this because you've done your own research, you probably know more about it than me. But if anybody else wants to know, um, if you do make these changes, the search service um, obviously uses these permissions when it's returning to you the uh, the content for you because it does automatic security trimming, one of the cool things. If, if you are making these claim types, if you want those changes to reflect, you have to restart the content processing component. I'm not going to go into the PowerShell stuff that you use to restart that, but you're going to have to restart those specific components um, for those changes to take effect. Uh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah, super heavy right, one that, today, that is, Yeah, that one is that I didn't, I, uh, I'm not even going to try and figure out what it does. Like the, I think the two ones I had the most weirdness absorbing has been this one and the uh, the the search steps one where you can put in oh, new, new yes, stuff. I remember that one. Yeah, that one was also very weird. It's also top sort of like injection into, you know, grab this, inject some, yeah, it's, some text we, we, in it we've and got, then write it back. Yeah, exactly. We've got this process that us as normal consultants, we never touch. It's just the process that the system handles and it just does it. But it turns out it's actually got a bunch of granularity that you can go in there and and add extra steps if if it's necessary for your implementation. I think maturity of a customer um, dealing with customers that actually um, require these things we don't see it that much in SA. Uh, but when you start looking at multinational companies or global companies or just companies in the US that has twenty thirty thousand employees across yeah and you might need to, states, you, know? you might need to split them out by region or something like that and there'll be something yeah, and then it around. becomes that becomes quite interesting. Very um, cool. But yeah. All right. Is that it from you? I think that's it from me, Al. Yeah, so how do people find us, Rod? You guys can find us online, two guys and SharePoint.co.za. We're also on new Twitter. blog coming soon. New site coming soon. You can also no, get new blog site coming. New soon. blog site coming soon. You can also get us uh, on Twitter at Two Guys SharePoint. I'm at Odd Modlin. and I'm at Alistair Pugin. Thank you so much for joining me this evening, Al. As always, it's been a great pleasure. Um, I really do enjoy these things. Yeah, it's and lots we'll of fun. chat too soon. Thanks, listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you. Uh, do give us a like on Facebook. And uh, when we publish this also, we'll be running a competition over the next few months. Um, the most likes for a post, uh, we'll be giving away some really cool prizes. Cool, yeah. So please do like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If you are listening on iTunes, please do please do go give us a review on iTunes. Those really help. And uh, You can also give us a review on SoundCloud as well. And there too, yes. So go, right. go do like, share, and subscribe, as the YouTubers say. <laughs> And thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Cheers.